This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts... Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in uh, local radio in San Diego for, gosh, 28 years. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, give us a call at 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And as always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. Good morning. Quite a week this past week, huh? Inflation fears, market falls, inflation fears go away, market goes up. Crazy times. Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, you know, we got a little bit of volatility, which it, it, it seems people have been thinking stocks just go straight up so far this year, which we know is not, not true. true. So <laughs> things do pull back and, you know, this could be the beginning of a pullback or it, it could just be a flash in the pan, so to speak. And we, we could go a little bit higher, but we do know there's going to be a pullback. At some yeah, we, we do. And, and we've always been uh, value investors. And again, I've been doing investing now for 42 years, uh, a lot of years of experience in the beginning of what not to do <laughs> I'll say that, uh, but it really gives you that experience. And one thing that I've realized that over the years, and Warren Buffett realized it as well, David Dream and Christopher Davis, a lot of these longtime well-known managers, uh, believe value stocks will continue to outperform growth stocks. Uh, we believe that, and that's because you know we see uh, GDP growth remaining robust, which is very important according to research from RBC Capital since 1979. The U.S. economy has grown an average of 2.5% per uh, quarter, year over year. And when this happens, well, GDP tells us something. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is interesting. And, you know, when GDP has been below this level, the 2.5%, growth stocks typically do outperform. However, when growth, I'm going to say, is more common, you know, it's all over the place, you can find growth anywhere. And GDP is above that 2.5% level, <coughs> value stocks actually have outperformed. And as as we've kind of talked about, we do see GDP doing well through the end of next year. I think we're going to do very, very well this year. And next year, there's just a lot of money in the economy. We think GDP is going to continue to do well in 2022, but 2023 is where it gets a little fuzzy. <laughs> and the, the other interesting thing to consider here is if you actually look at earnings growth, for the first time in about a decade, the Russell 1000 Value Index is expected to have higher earnings growth over the next 12 months than the Russell 1000 Growth Index. And value is expected to see growth of 28% compared to 24% for growth. So be careful of those high flyers out right. there. And, and, and the big thing, too, is you got to look at what you're paying for growth companies based on the earnings and actually all the valuation ratios compared to value companies. 
and and growth you're expecting these high growth rates and if you don't get them which it doesn't appear that's going to happen you're going to have a reversal here and I, and I don't think it's going to be for a couple of months i think it's going to be for you know years to maybe come here well I, i'm going to say that i think growth is still going to have good growth on earnings clearly 24 percent is still a very strong earnings growth rate but the problem is as you said what are you paying for that growth right and value <clears throat> value most of the time has had you know earnings growth of you know, a few percent, let's say, yeah. but now to have 28% growth, you're overpaying for the growth of the growth companies and you're getting a great value for the growth of the value companies. And, and that's why I think value is going to outperform when growth is hard to find, when it's only occurring in, let's say, the Amazons and Netflixes. Well, people will pay up for those companies because there's nowhere else to find growth. Mm -hmm. However, when growth is widespread and you can get growth in energy companies, you can get growth in financial companies, you can get growth in all these other, I'm going to say, easy, basic companies. Well, I'm going to shift more money towards value. And I think that's what we're going to start to see is we read a lot of conference calls and our businesses are doing fantastic. And and I think that's going to remain the case as we move forward. Yeah, because once that excitement leaves, and I, this has happened many times throughout history, where the excitement leaves and things can only go so high before they start turning down and you know turning and, and going down. And actually, the Nasdaq this year, I think it's only up was it six percent year to date? It's not very much. I know it was up four percent. I forget if that was <clears throat> after yesterday's rally or before yesterday's rally. But it, yeah, it's not it's not done as well as it's done in the past. And I, I don't think it's going to have a boom year this year either. And we said for a while it's getting ahead of itself, and I think that has really come to reality that it did get ahead of itself. Uh, and, and also, too, investors will go elsewhere. But a lot of these investors, in my opinion, that pushed up the price of these stocks are very impatient. You know, value investors will always patient. Like, yeah, we'll wait 12, 18 months. We're fine. But growth investors, no. They want, I was going to say quarter to quarter. I think they want almost day to day to where they, they have, you know, great things going on. And you're just not going to see that in growth going forward. Um, and you're going to see a slowdown in that growth. And then they have to question, is it really worth what we're paying for it? And when that starts happening, you see a tapering off and many times a decline because people that watch the stock grow. Uh, and if it's not growing, they go somewhere else. So Yeah, and I mean, that's a great point is people, <clears throat> I think, have gotten accustomed to the these high percentage gains that they've seen you know if you held apple you held microsoft you held amazon last year it's like wow this is so easy i i did yeah. so great in 2020 and, and a lot of new people came into the market or even people have short-term memories as well is that that's not common we talk about if you can average eight to ten percent per year that's phenomenal you're gonna right. be thrilled with that when you hit retirement People now say, that's it? I did 100% last year. Why would I want to do 8%? And it's not a reoccurring event. It happens year in and year out. You're going to have down years. You're going to have difficult periods. And I almost think sometimes it's more difficult when it just stays flat. Right. Because it's like, gosh, it's not moving. <laughs> do I sell it? Do I hold it? You know, do I you know, get rid of it? What do I do here? I think that's where uh, difficulties ensue. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing with these high growth companies these big tech the mega cap tech companies you know the fang stocks is people i think are going to start to get impatient with it because you know just because it went up in the past they expect it to go up in the future which we know is not true not true and we, we always talk about our party talk with, with our companies you go to the party and you'll be stand by yourself talking about the companies you talk about and the same thing with the performance like if you're at the party like yeah you know we're looking to do an eight ten 
maybe 12% on average per year. You may stand by yourself, but you got the guy over in the corner like, oh yeah, I'm doing this and that, and I'm gonna maybe double my money this year. That's what people want, the hype all the time, and it's and it's a shame because then, then down the road, that guy's not even at the party because he can't afford a car to get to the party because he lost all his money. <laughs> so you know, you, you've gotta be real when it comes to investing. That's why you know, again, we see things coming more back to reality. The craziness is gone, uh, and I think, uh, Money is going to start coming out of the economy because right now there's a lot of money in the economy. I think that'll be start disappearing, I'm going to say maybe next year. Uh, so that's going to cause a difference as well because there's just so much money out there that people are just doing uh, crazy things. Crazy things, yeah. So um, also this past week we had the BLS, also known as the Bureau Labor Statistics, a report in April that the CPI rose 0.8% compared to last month and 4.2% over the last 12 months. Now, energy did account for a large portion of this increase, and unfortunately, uh, we didn't, you know, I, I don't see energy declining anytime in the near future, but this is something that really rattled the markets, and, and this is surprising, like, oh, there could be inflation coming? Gosh, if you go to any grocery store, you go to any restaurant, oh, things are priced higher. Where have people been, you know, uh, for the BLS? government <laughs> but you know th this this concern over inflation has also sparked interest rates to rise you know the 10-year treasury did top 1.68 percent earlier this week and the, the rising interest rates will be passed on to other areas including mortgage rates we are still looking for a two percent 10-year treasury by the end of the year which is not good for bondholders it's not good for the housing market and also, it's not good for those high-growth stocks we just discussed. Yeah, yeah, because high-growth stocks do not do well during a rising interest rate environment. Uh, again, as we just talked about, the GDP now is another thing. So this is why you can't do the same thing forever. Um, and actually, you know, we, we have been beaten by growth companies and so forth. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll beat them. But we have a lot of documents and history that shows that longer term, value does outperform growth. And I, I see when I get the numbers right from 1926, I think it was like uh, uh, growth at 9.7. I think growth at like 12 point. Value did 12 point. Oh, or did I reverse that? No, you said growth and growth. Oh, I said growth and growth. Okay, yeah. No, growth did 9.7 and value did 12.7%. Yeah, year. well, I was, I was just trying to see if our listeners are awake here and see yeah. if they caught that, yeah. So, but, but uh, and again, I'd rather do what makes more sense. And it just never made sense to me when I started doing this, like, you have no, nothing but your arms around growth. It's just like, yeah, it's growing, it's growing, but what's the value of it? Value says, well, here's the value of it. So it gives you the value. So um, that's why it's so important to look at, you know, what's going on with, with inflation, interest rates, uh, because it will affect your investing. And, and I, I, I do not, you know, we, we every once in a while we'll see somebody come to our office as a potential new client, and we'll see a third of their money in bonds. It's just like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And, and they've done terrible over the last, uh, what, six months or so. And I have a couple more comments here on inflation, but sure. the other thing, too, to consider on bonds is when you get inflation, well, now your money is stagnant. You get a fixed income off the bonds, essentially, so you're losing purchasing power. But also with inflation comes rising interest rates. Now when rising interest rates come, your bond prices go down. So it's almost mm -hmm. a double negative if you're a bondholder and you hit inflation. So be very yeah, cautious good point. of that. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to bring up with the inflation worries is it, it, it was pretty widespread. I mean, we talked about gasoline having a, a, a major impact on it. But if even if you look at the core consumer prices, they rose 0.9% in April. And core, that removes food and gas, which are seen to be quite volatile. And that pushed the yearly rate up to 3%. 
which is actually the highest level in 26 years. I mean, that's huge inflation. We haven't seen this in 26 wow. years. That's such a long time. And it, it's just so important to look at because even the consumer price index was up 0.8%, which was the biggest monthly increase since 2009. So we're seeing numbers that we just have not seen in, in years. And I, I think it's going to continue to be a problem because the PPI, which is a producer price index, also came out this week, 6.2% gain. Producers, as we said last month, are going to pass these costs on to the consumer. They're not just going to eat all the profits, and it's going to trickle on down. Right. It's not going to be all of a sudden 6.2% on the CPI, but I think you're going to continue to see some struggles with that, that consumer price index. You're going to see inflation. Yeah, and, then, and you got to be aware of this. And I would people think, oh, this is just a one-time thing. It's, it's not. I mean, this is, I believe, the start of the new economy, we'll call it that we're going to see this continue on because there's just too much money chasing too few goods. And when that happens, uh, prices will rise. And I, and I think you're going to see a change uh, in the economy from the state-home economy to people. Got great news yesterday from the CDC saying, hmm, if you had the vaccination, uh, you don't need to wear a mask at all. Uh, movie theaters, I think movie theaters rallied on that. Yeah. Um, so that's good news. So people... I know more people are looking at traveling. We're looking at traveling ourselves here a little bit going forward. So uh, it's going to change. And I will say it's not going to sustain at 4 to 5%, at least in my opinion. It's not going to be like we're going to have 5% inflation. We're not going to hit that no. runaway inflation. Because the other thing you do have to consider is, is last year, you're comparing to April. I mean, <laughs> airlines cut the prices of tickets. You know, there, there was some easy comparisons on the price inflation. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of bake that into it as well. Is there's a couple items that were up massively. Right that they're not going to have as easy of compares in the next four or five months, that things are going to start to normalize a little bit. So I think you could see the 3 4 maybe 5% range in inflation for the next three to four months. But I think you'll see something above 2 2.5% is more kind of common ground. And that was the Fed's target before this whole pandemic hit. Yeah, and I, I think we will be pushing that four to five. I Sustained, I, really? Yeah. I, I, I For how so, long? Um, hard to say how long, but think about it. You know, with airlines, what's one of the major expenses? Fuel, fuel costs, and that's going to keep going up. Uh, we know that's going to happen. Yeah. And as that happens, I mean, fuel just has a major effect on everything. And, and the thing is, we're not going to see, in the past, we'd see, okay, well, now we have, you know, a shortage of fuel. We can turn on the spigot and produce more. Well, that's been cut off. That's not going to happen. We don't have the, the Keystone Pipeline coming in. We're going to have, I think, a shortage or could push it even higher. Somebody sent me a picture. What was it from uh, on social media? But they showed some city that uh, gas was at, for premium, $5.98 a gallon for premium. And I forget what city it was, but it was just like, we're going to see, I, I do believe, I hate to say this, but probably $5 a gallon gas. Oh, yeah. Especially people will be traveling this summer. Uh, things are going to happen, and, and I just don't see – what I'm not seeing, the reason why I say it's going to be sustained, I don't see what could reverse it back around. I don't see this as a temporary thing, and and I, I think maybe in 2023, but there's a lot of money out there. Things are rising. Uh, you know, it, it, That's what causes sustained inflation uh, going forward. And then you just go in the grocery store. It's like, it seems like every week things go up. Well, and I, I, I do want to move on here, obviously, sure. to our next topic. But I, I was going to say the last thing that bake into that is the labor shortage. There I mean, what, what's happening is companies are paying up for employees. I mean, it's like, gosh, I'm going to have to, you know, pay this to, just to get people off the couch to come yeah. work for me. <laughs> so you, you're looking at companies now having wage inflation, 
And with wage inflation, again, I think that's why you go to restaurants. You're right. It is so expensive. It's like, okay, now I have to pay this person $15 an hour to entice them to come work for me. Well, I can't now have a, a margin on my food at, you know, let's just say a plate of $11. I need to rise, raise that to $12 a plate. Yeah. Well, that's what inflation is. It's yeah. a rising cost of goods and services. Well, so. One of my favorite accounting classes was cost accounting because cost accounting, you could figure out what the cost of that unit was, how it did, and so forth. And that's where I have to look at saying, okay, so my labor costs, if I pay my employees now, not 15 an hour, but now I'm going to pay them 16, 17 an hour to get into uh, work, uh, what will I have to raise my food cost by if I get X number of people coming in? I mean, I, I just love cost accounting because kind of like value investing, you have an answer uh, to the question. So, but again, some some will just kind of raise it by a dollar or two. Some will actually try to figure it out, but you have to do that because surprise, you're in business to make a profit. And, and I think right now people will pay that because they have to, but you need to have the, and I keep seeing businesses, oh, we can't get employees. I'm sorry, raise the price so that they raise the wage. Uh, raise the wage, and then you got to raise the price on your goods. I, I yeah. guess both has as yeah. happened, yeah. So, um, long story short, be cautious of inflation. I really think that is something to watch out for. I've, I've heard financial pundits say, I think this is just a flash in the pan. I completely disagree. Yeah, I, I do too. It's not a flash in the pan. It, it, this is something that uh, is sustainable, unfortunately. Uh, let, let's move on to uh, <laughs> last year we had a run on toilet paper, and now this year we're seeing. As we talked about, a run on gasoline. This does come after the cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline shutdown. The pipeline transport 100 million gallons of diesel, jet fuel, heating oil, and gasoline per day, which equates to about 45% of fuel consu- consumed in states between the Gulf Coast and New York and metro area. Now, one thing too important is that when you see this happen, it, this will be fixed. But I think what you're also going to see is that prices going up they're not going to come back down to where they were before. And this this has caused major shortages of gas stations in affected states, with North Carolina seeing the hardest hit. Uh, the state reported this morning that uh, 28.2% of stations experienced gas outages, where uh, certain counties seeing outages, as many as 78% of stations. I mean, we saw this past week stations being shut down, no gas. And this reminds me, way before you even thought of, uh, people that are older remember this, the 70s where you had gas lines of waiting to get gas. And I'm thinking, this is terrible. How are we back in this, you know, well, 50 years later? Um, how do we get back to this craziness of gas lines? What happened to our super strong economy? We could say it, but we won't say it. We'll yeah, <laughs> and I mean, this was an interesting situation as well. Um, but, you know, it, it was kind of spread across several states. And I'm going to say, thank goodness it didn't happen here in California, because I think we could have seen gas prices <sighs> Skyrocket yeah. yeah. to like gosh, I don't know, five fifty a gallon. <laughs> it would have been a major shock to, to us here because I mean we already have the highest gas prices in the country. But uh, other states that were also impacted included Georgia, which had a seventeen point five percent outage earlier this week. Virginia had seventeen point one percent in outages. South Carolina sixteen point two percent. So there just wasn't that supply in the states, and it's really the fear of the unknown that led to a major spike in demand. I mean, if you looked at Tuesday of this week, U.S. gas demand increased by 10.7% compared to last week. And people are driving more than they were, I'd say, last year. But week over week, I don't think there was that big of a change. It's these, I'm going to say, gas runs. You start to see people going to the gas stations. You start to see, oh, my gosh, there's huge lines. You feel that emotional thing where, oh, gosh, I got to go now to the gas. (laughs) So it creates this self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, 
that I don't I wouldn't say demand was truly up 10.7% week over week, but it was actually just the, the fear that actually I think led people to go, just like we saw with the toilet paper shortage. And you know, this and other factors have now contributed to a national average of $3 gasoline uh, per gallon, which is the most expensive level since October 2014. And the benefit here is we don't really have a current supply of gasoline that's the the problem. It's just a matter of transporting it. Mm -hmm. We have gasoline across this country. We have the supply of it, but we don't have, as we talked about last week, the truckers to actually send it over there. We didn't have the pipeline to get it there. We had it. The refiners were operating. They were doing their thing. But the problem was it was hard to get the gasoline to these areas. Right, right. And and, and, and it's so important with, you know, you've got the production, you've got the, the distribution. These are all things that can come into inflation when you have these things happen because of the fact that if you can't get it to market, you know, you, you got to pay somebody else more to, to do it. And, and uh, it... <laughs> They can see it on Facebook, but right now my, my, my computer said battery low, so Brendan's working out around me, so <laughs> I keep moving back and forth. Um, but anyways, I mean, these are things that you have to be aware of, and, and um, I, I, I just don't see this changing. I think it is in September that uh, they're supposed to take away the $300 extra per week from the federal government. It is, and 16 states have now said that uh, they're going to cut it this summer. Oh, I'm sure California is one of those states. No, they're not. <laughs> but the the thing that I wanted to kind of touch on with the gasoline as well is I, I think that you're not going to see shortages at the pump. I, I don't think we're going to see. It's not like we're going to have the situation where right. we had the Saudi oil embargo in the 1970s. We're not going to see a, a big problem like we had then, at least for the time being, because now that we get the pipeline kind of back up and running, the issue would have been if our refineries if they had to cut capacity because the refiners, what they were saying earlier this week, like your major ones like Marathon and Bolero, they're saying, well, we're producing the gas, but we can't send it anywhere because the pipeline's not operational. So they didn't have any place to put the gas. They had to look at tankers and you know, these oil barges to see if they could kind of store it somewhere. That would have been a major problem is if the, the refiners had to start saying, we have nowhere to put the gas. We're going to have to cut our uh, output right now, that's right. what I think would have led to a long-term problem. I don't think we're going to see a, a major impact of supply shortages at this time. I still think gas prices are, are not going to be favorable as we move forward no. for other reasons, but I, I don't think this colonial pipeline is going to be a long-term lasting problem where you're going to see long, long lines at the gas stations widespread across the country. Yeah, and, and what that can do is have accordion effect if that does happen because you, you get kind of backed up, okay, now i got to shut down production, then they start using that. Oh, I've got to ramp up production. And then you get this this up and down movement uh, in prices. So hopefully that does not happen. Uh, I was not uh, pleased at all that uh, what the Colonial Pipeline uh, pay the terrorists uh, and pay them in Bitcoin. Uh, I, I, I've been since forever. I know the government says we don't negotiate with terrorists. I don't think anybody should because I think this is going to cause more problems because, oh, they paid here. Let's do it again over here. And it was not, in my opinion, a wise move. And maybe it got things fixed quicker, but using Bitcoin and also paying is the wrong thing. To do. And I'm sorry, I, I got to bring this point up here. I mean, we spent so much time talking about Bitcoin. You and I both pitched <laughs> different segment ideas to KUSI and Fox 5, and they said, Can you talk about cryptocurrency? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about it a lot this week, but I, I just, it just irritates me. If, if we didn't have Bitcoin, 
if people didn't drive the price up of Bitcoin like they have to this mm -hmm. mad level, nobody would want to use Bitcoin. I mean, you are fueling the terrorists. You are fueling oh, yeah. these ransomware type acts. If Bitcoin wasn't at 50,000 and if all of a sudden it tanked down to 5,000, I think hackers and all these ransom attacks would stop asking for Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, because it is used because you can't supposedly track it and so forth. And, and it is kind of irritating because it does feed terrorism. And every time Bitcoin goes up, guess what? The terrorists, they make more money. They're, they're like laughing at, at, at this. So it is something. And I think Charlie Munger, uh, you know, Warren Buffett's uh, uh, partner there, um, he brought it up as well. But, but why, you know, Elon Musk talked about it. Uh, on the green side, say we're not going to set Bitcoin anymore for, for the Teslas. Sorry. <laughs> but um, he didn't mention that. Well, what about the terrorists? And I think people just don't want to talk about that. But I think you have to talk about it because terrorists have Bitcoin. It really takes away from the excitement of, yeah, Bitcoin's going up. And the terrorists are making more money as well. I think people need to realize that. And maybe that'll be the thing to change it because if they keep using it, then it's in your face. They have to do something with it. And I, I mean, people talk all the time about the morality of, oh, companies, they're so mean. And they, <laughs> it's like, but you're buying Bitcoin? Yeah. That That is just so wrong to me. I mean, the, I I really struggle with that part of Bitcoin and the cryptos as if you can't, now you can't trace these terrorist organizations. They're, they're like, Bitcoin was the best thing that could have happened to ISIS and, yeah. you know, these large terrorist groups. I, I think Dark Side's this new one is what it's called. Right. And, I mean, they're like, oh, this is awesome. I love cryptocurrency. This is yeah. so great. And I'm glad you said cryptocurrencies because it's not just Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the most well-known, but it's all cryptocurrencies because they can't be tracked. And, and, and that's what terrorists and kidnappers and, and everybody else uses because, oh, hey, this is great. And, and we won't go into the – we did enough, I think, on TV this past week about it. But it is, it's just a shame. And, and I still am telling people, yeah, you know, you're in – I'm not going to tell you not to buy it, but understand you're speculating – uh, and someday this will be gone, and hopefully you make money off it. But uh, and you're helping terrorists. Yeah, and you're helping terrorists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I hope they don't make money. Maybe, yeah. maybe I should change that because the more I think about that, and I, and I was wondering, is there anything out there that shows approximately how much terrorists have on this? Because they won't know exactly because that's why the terrorists have it. But there could be some speculation out there that yeah, terrorists have who knows billions of dollars of of cryptocurrency when every time it goes up. They smile and they make more and they and they can use that to buy more weapons, explosives, whatever they're doing to, you know, destroy. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to bring up on sure. cryptocurrency <laughs> <laughs> is, you know, it, it also irritates me too. Elon Musk has such a big impact on on the crypto market. He tweets one thing, then he tweets another, moves it up and down. And I, I just had to bring this up because I think people have to realize that crypto is not regulated like stocks. No. So, I mean, he can essentially say whatever he wants, I, I, I believe, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to say yes or no on this, but I, there's different rules in place when you talk about stocks. You have to talk about them in a certain manner. Yes. With crypto, he could say whatever he wants. I think even he could pump and dump it, I, I believe. You'd have to double check this, but I yeah. believe that he could talk, or he could buy Bitcoin, buy Dogecoin, talk great about it, sell it, talk it back down again, buy it back. And then do the same thing over and over again because it's not regulated like stocks are. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, just, it's just crazy. And, and, and that's so true because, again, it's, it's, it's not regulated. And I've said, is he doing that? I've kind of put that question out there on social media. Some of you have said yes. Some like, ah, I don't know. But it's just he can do it. 
And, you know, he, he is obviously a very smart guy, and he has the money to do it. And, and for him, if he does millions of dollars doing that, I mean, he's a billionaire. It doesn't really matter to him, but it's just like a game to him. Yeah. And he doesn't care that if, well, the little guy that had $10,000 got wiped out, he doesn't really care. He, he's he got the power. He's got the he power. He makes the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and he does, and that's why he can do that. So, all righty. Uh, phone number is 866-877-2473. That's 866-577-2473. That will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. So you got an equity looking at buying. Investment questions, give us a call. Again, 866-577-2473. But before we go to the calls, I do want to mention that I can't believe it. This Thursday uh, is our workshop at uh, Alesmith Brewery, uh, Thursday, May 20th at uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to show you how we invest. We're going to show you, you know, we talk about a lot of things here, but at the workshop we actually show you how we do things, what not to do. Uh, try to give you an understanding of the concept of how we invest. And, and we're not the normal investors. We don't, you know, old asset allocation. No, we show you how we've made money uh, through times by buying low and selling high. That's the easy side of it. But how do you buy low? How do you sell high? We're going to show you all that. Uh, it is free. Uh, we'll also show you how we ta- cal- calculate out the target buy prices, sell prices, all this stuff here for you. Uh, this free workshop, again, this Thursday, uh, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. Uh, you got to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, we got quite a few people signed up, but I, I think we got about uh, six or seven seats left, so I would not delay. Uh, give us a call now at 858 546 4306. That's 858 546 4306. I think most people, I don't know if anybody calls for the workshop anymore. I know we get a lot of people on the website that sign up there. So it's mostly the website, I think. Yeah, mostly the website. I have to check with. Rihanna on that one, but yes. I believe that's the case. Yes. And I, I was going to say too, I, I think this is so important because I, I really do believe our strategy is the best long-term hedge against inflation. Yeah. And we keep talking about inflation. I, I think it's, it's a good time to enact a philosophy that we do utilize. Yeah. And, and, and it does work and that will show you why it works and so forth. But one thing it's not going to be going to do, not a quick uh, get rich scheme. Yeah, you're not going to make a thousand no. percent or anything. No. You know, it's not going to go. Your portfolio is not going to grow tremendously tomorrow. It, it's, yeah. it's a long term thing. It, it's investing's like a, a it's a it's a battle. It, things go up, things go down, but you know you got to win the war in the long term. Yep, yeah, that's true. All righty, phone numbers again: eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go to Conado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vessel Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. The stock I'm looking at is Sherwin-Williams. Okay, do you hold that or look and buy it? Looking to buy it. Okay. Uh, you know, I know they've come up an awful lot, so I'm kind of kind of curious here what it looks like. Uh, so, well, it, it has over the last year, it's up about 100 bucks. Oh, it's up 100 bucks over the last year? Okay, well, yeah. well that's, that's why yeah. we look at the numbers to see if it's overpriced or not. So take yeah. a look at the Sherwin-Williams company symbol is h i'm sorry s h w i'm having trouble uh, value growth today i can't, can't get my words out today uh p ratio not a great star here john it's a 37 well above the industry at 19.6 price of sales four versus 2.3 no price of tangible book value for sure in williams or the industry and price of cash flow is also expensive 28 versus 13.3 I see they pay a 0.8% dividend using 24% of the earnings to pay that out. 
Year over year, their sales are up 4.8%. Industry was down 1%. Earnings per share for Sherwin-Williams did climb at 33.7. Very good, especially compared to the industry being down 9.8. I do not like this balance sheet. This is very worrisome to me. They have a current ratio of 0.9 versus 2 and debt to equity of 295 versus 49. That is really more leverage than I thought it was going to be. And I don't believe they do any financing like like uh, cars do for paint. So I think this is all debt on the balance sheet, which really worries me quite a bit. Uh, now, I do see return on equity is 66.5 versus 8.2. That kind of tells me that perhaps the equity is very low, which I'll maybe check when Chase is looking at the uh, earnings going forward. We do see the net profit margin 11.2 versus 11.7. That's okay. We see we'll turn over 7.9, well above the industry at 4.5. And inventory turnover about 5.2 versus 3.2. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? I was kind of speaking about the company first. You know, having it be a paint company, I, I do worry as well that, you know, the, I'm going to say remodel boom is going to start to slow mm -hmm. as this year progresses. I will say maybe, I mean, we, we do have a company in our portfolio that's benefiting from the remodeling, but they also have a commercial side. And I, I looked it up, Sherwood Wills, Will, Williams also does commercial building paint and so forth. Is maybe right. that they'll kind of benefit from that trend as well as businesses kind of pulled back on spending last year they could start to revamp this year which maybe will counteract some of the slowdown in, in the, the personal homeowners and, and their remodels just, just kind of a point to yeah consider i was that. thinking the same thing we've kind of talked about that going forward that the remodeling could be changing over because people start traveling yeah yeah and looking at the numbers back to back to those which are very important of course is the current price for sherwin williams is 286 dollars nine cents 52 week high 293 dollars and five cents and 52-week low, well, that's $178.66. Now, I go out to December 2022, and I'm quite surprised here. The estimated earnings per share is just $11 per share. That would give us a target sell price of $182.60. And I, I say I'm really surprised here because in 2020, the company made $24.58. In 2019, they made $21.12. I mean, what is going on where they're earnings just fell off a cliff this year just 1060 and then as i said next year 11 dollars. i mean that's, that's about half what it was right. in 2020 <laughs> I, i'm very curious what happened to their earnings and, and john i cannot feel comfortable with this company at all i looked at the balance sheet uh their equity is low their equity is three billion dollars about the same actually down about 200 million from a, a, a year ago mm -hmm. but what i don't like when i look at the balance sheet yes they have debt of 9.1 billion dollars but what also on top of that, their assets are not very strong because they have in goodwill and intangible assets, uh, what is it, $11, trillion, $11 billion there, which th those aren't strong assets. And, I, and I'm just, and I know that the name is very strong, but I, I just, I would not recommend this company at all. I mean, I, and I didn't hear because I kind of look at the balance sheets. I, I don't think the target price no. is, yeah, there, there's no reason at all. And I, I, I used to like this company because it's a simple company. But it's just gone mm -hmm. way, way too high. Weak balance sheet, too much for the earnings. I, I can't find any reason at all to even uh, spend any more time looking at this company for you. Okay. All right, John. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. 
And uh, Chase, we got a, a, an email here, and uh, you know, we always forget to tell people because some people don't want to call in; they they don't want to be on air and so forth, which I understand. If you do want to, you know, ask a question by email, uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com, and send either me an email or Chase an email, what your question is. Yeah. And that one actually came from Facebook. Oh, this came from Facebook. Yeah, it was a Facebook message. Oh, Facebook. You're, you're right. It's a Facebook message. So, uh, you know, and before we do this one, because uh, no one's holding, uh, but this is from Jacob. So we're going to get to this in a minute. Uh, let's talk to Harrison because we got a time crunch here that uh, he's going to talk about Monday uh, the, for the tax season. So, uh, Harrison, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. So we, we got uh, how many hours left, I guess, until the deadline for filing? What is that, uh, 48, uh, 56 or something? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming up on Monday the 17th. So, yeah, we've got the rest of this weekend, and then it's all got to be done on Monday. <laughs> so so what, what what can we do here? So I, I, I thought it'd be a good idea to bring this up because I've been reviewing tax returns for clients and, and that kind of thing, and I've been noticing a lot of mistakes, and I'm sure there's other people out there listening that might be experiencing the same thing. They're just not aware of it. So um, I wanted to go through with some of the things I've picked up. So if you have filed or if you're getting ready to file, just to make sure you have everything in order. But um, one thing is I, I've noticed that, uh, you know, if you have money like in a 401k or an IRA and you roll it over to another IRA or another qualified account, you will get a 1099 for whatever that distribution is, um, even though it's not taxable. So I've had several cases where, People have taken money out of an IRA and then put it back, or they've done rollovers. Um, and so they get the 1099, they give it to the tax person, the tax person plugs it in, and then it's counted as taxable income. So, again, anytime money is distributed from a qualified account, you will get a 1099. So you have to tell your tax person, hey, this particular 1099 was a rollover. So that should not be taxable. I've, again, I've seen that a couple times. Um, another thing, missing 1099s. I've looked at lots of cases where, you know, people have a pension and they forget the 1099 or they've got an investment account at Schwab or something and they forget the 1099. So that's a quick, easy find. Um, if you look on your 1040 and you see income under pensions or you see dividends or you see capital gains, you want to make sure that if you have those types of accounts or those types of incomes, that that's being reported and that's showing up on your tax return. Um, another one is rental properties. Um, so I was looking at a tax return recently, and um, the original tax filer who calculated the depreciation for a rental property messed up the calculation. And with depreciation, it's, it's scheduled over a 27-and-a-half-year period for uh, residential properties. So you want to make sure that the depreciation is calculated correctly and you're getting all those um, deductions for it. Depreciation is one of the benefits of um, rental properties, a non-cash expense. So you want to make sure that's done correctly so it doesn't mess up the next 27 and a half years you have. Also, I've seen cases where with rental properties, there's no deduction for property taxes or there's no deduction for insurance, which you definitely are paying. So if you're paying that, you want to make sure you're getting all your write-offs. Um, another case, uh, back to the 1099. So we had somebody who transferred over some money, but sometimes when you transfer money to a non-retirement account, um, the cost basis doesn't come through or the holding period of those positions that you had doesn't come through. And so when we sold some of the positions they transferred over, um, the 1099 generated that it was all short term and it was all no cost basis. So it was all like a huge short term gain that they had when in reality, 
there wasn't any short-term gain. It was all long-term, and it was only a very small amount. But, you know, if you didn't know that and you just gave that 1099 to your tax person, they would plug it in, and you'd be paying a whole lot more in taxes um, than you're supposed to. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you want to look out for when we're getting ready to file our taxes on Monday. And, Harrison, I know you you had a client that actually discovered quite a – large mistake that saved her thousands of dollars in taxes. Uh, this just kind of shows what a true financial planner does. Because I think a lot of people think financial planner is you go to a financial planner, they do a quick plan for you, they put you in some mutual funds, and, and, and you're set to go. It's so much more than that than just doing that. And here it is, you know, two days before, yeah, two days before the tax deadline, uh, and you, you've been looking at people's tax returns with them, finding things to, to be there for them. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know you don't know. A lot of people don't understand exactly how taxes work. That's why I spend so much time with it, um, not only from a planning perspective, but we also want to make sure everything is filed correctly because nobody likes paying taxes. And so if we can keep that tax bill as low as possible, that's what we want to do. <laughs> oh, I just love paying taxes. I just love sending that money <laughs> off. <laughs> and and then no, they had that. Had to California the other day so I'm sure that was fun <laughs> yeah yeah and that, that was on the, the, the PPP loans where they, they really the state of California it's just uh, they came up with some strange formula that if it, if you didn't do this and you had to pay tax on this and then the other thing too that irritates me then you had to pay a penalty for under payment of tax because that was not included in the beginning it, it's just crazy and when I talked to my tax guy he said yeah there's there's a number of businesses that got victim to this and and what really is irritating it's this what's happening the state of california is taking money from the federal because of what they kind of did like oh okay well the federal you have to pay the federal but the, the state california i, I don't know they're, they're, they're just something else to me yeah so. no no doubt it california it's they love their tax money and they're trying to hold it all over the fire here. Yeah. And then they got that, what, that $75 billion surplus plus we're going to what, $25 billion from the Fed. Plus, I, I, I think when taxes are filed, they'll probably do more than that. Uh, yeah. California financially is going to do very well. Unfortunately, they're not going to do good things with the, with the money, unfortunately. So. Yeah, that's true. So what we can do, we can do our part to pay as little taxes as possible and you keep that money for ourselves. <laughs> exactly. All right, Harrison. Well, well thanks for calling in. Uh, we'll, we'll see you Monday, and you have a great day. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you on Monday. Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. All right, again, that's uh, Harrison Johnson. He's our financial planner at Will C. Asset Management. He is on the salary. Uh, it's fee-based. It is not, you know, where he's going to sell you anything at all. He does not sell any products. It is true a financial planner to look at your plan. So if you have a plan, you're not sure how it's working, maybe you don't have a plan, uh, your first consultation is free to see if we can help you. Give him a call at the office, 858 858- Five four six four three zero six. Again, that's eight five eight five four six four three zero six. And again, that's Harrison Johnson. He's a CFP. Uh, give him a call. Uh, give him a call. Set up that uh, consultation and see what we can do to help you out. All right, phone numbers here: eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Uh, let's go back to the email, actually the message from actually uh, social media. I think you said Facebook, Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Jacob. It says, curious on your guys' thoughts on RKT. I bought in before earnings and it dropped almost 14%. I bought again to lower my price, but I'm still down. What do you recommend with this company? So let's take a look at this. This is the Rocket Mortgage Company. Here is what this one is. 
Uh, so let's take a look at uh, RKT as a symbol for Rocket Mortgage. Uh, and I'm not surprised because I would think the expectation is going forward here is that, yeah, rates are going up, less mortgages, less refinancing. And I, I'm, I'm shocked that refinancing is still going on, but, but it is. So, but let's look at the numbers here, Rocket Mortgage. Oh, shoot. Now it says an internal error <laughs> has occurred. Uh, please try again. All right. Well, gosh, that's that's just terrible. <laughs> yeah, try again. That's all right. did, did, did you did you bring it up? Did you guys? Got I have the second part of it. Okay. Let me let me just try again here. Um, see if it gets there for me. There it is. Okay. I don't know why I got the internal error. Okay. Coming again is a Rocket Companies Incorporated. It's a mortgage company. Their symbols RKT. Uh, great start here. PE ratio six point nine versus eleven point six. Uh, price to sales one point eight versus two point four. Price change of book value, not material. Uh, the industry is at 3.1. And then price of cash looks very good, 2.8 versus 9. They do not pay a dividend. Wow, their sales growth uh, year over year was up 220% versus the industry up 1.4. However, that did not flow the bottom line. Earnings per share over the last 12 months year over year was down 15.5% when the earnings were up. I'm sorry, when the industry was up uh, 91%. The balance sheet, and again, they do financing and so forth, so it's kind of a crazy balance sheet. No current ratio, industry 1.1. Debt to equity, 4,226 versus 207 for the industry. Even that sounds kind of strange, though, at the 4,226. Uh, we do see return on the equity looks okay at 15.3. That's not quite as good as the industry at 20.2. Net profit margin, 62.8 versus 21. And no receivable or inventory turnover. And Chase, you said you had the earnings pulled up for Rocket Mortgage. Correct. Yeah. So uh, current price here for Rocket Companies is the name of the business is seventeen dollars and thirty four cents. Fifty two week range here. The high forty three dollars. I mean, uh, it's pulling back quite substantially. And the fifty two week low sixteen dollars and twenty two cents. Now, if I go out to two thousand and twenty two, I do see an estimate for earnings per share of one dollar and sixty five cents. Would give us a target sell price of twenty seven dollars and thirty nine cents. But Major concern I have here is in 2020, the company made $4.11. This year, the company's estimated to make $2.28. And as I said, next year, estimated to make $1.65. I do not like to see that type of earnings okay. decline. And, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. We've been talking about the mortgage market for quite some time. As, earning, or excuse me, as interest rates go up, Who's going to refinance their house yeah. at the same kicks level that we've been out. seeing? And it also kicks people out, too, for buying a new house. Uh, how, how many analysts on that, and what's the range of the earnings? 13 analysts. <clears> the <throat> range is the with the low of $1.15, and even the high is only $2.10 for next year. That's still a big range, though. I mean, $1.15 to 2 A big uh, range, but two ten is, I mean, as I said, last year they made $4.11. So even the highest estimate is $2.10. I mean, it's... I, I'm not a fan of this one. I mean, I, I do worry that as interest rates continue to climb, I don't think Rocket Companies is going to do well. Yeah, and, and I, I know that uh, Jacob was down on it. I, I would have to say, even though the target price sounds higher, I just don't believe this company's going to do well as rates rise. Again, as we said, kicks people out of the refinancing market, kicks people out of buying house, houses and so forth. It's You, you don't want to invest in a company like this when, when you do see rates rising. And also, too, I, I think the home market is going to slow down a little bit in the second half of the year as well. Yeah. So cool, cool off quite a bit. So, uh, Jacob, I hope that helps out. Uh, and, again, if you have a question and you don't want to call into the show, uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. 
That's smartinvesting2000.com and send uh, me a message and chase a message or do it on uh, social media. I mean, yep. A lot of people follow us on social media as well. We'll, we'll do that for you. And, and while you're at the website, be sure to check out the workshop coming up uh, next Thursday, uh, May 20th, uh, six, 6 o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery. Uh, check out the details on that. Uh, we only got about, I think, six or seven seats left, but uh, we'd love to see you all there. All right, uh, let's head out to San Diego and speak with Bob. Bob, you're in the Smart Investor Run. Chase, how can we help you? Yeah, hi, Chase. Uh, I just wanted you guys to take a look at Neo stock and get your take on that. Is that that new electric car? China. Co China company? Okay, we're probably not going to yes. have too much on this. How, how long has this been out? Do we know? I think uh, less than two years, I believe. They were okay. founded in 2014, but they've been on the public market for less than two years. Okay. So. Now, I'm not seeing it here. Oh, here it is. It's a Cayman it's Islands. Cayman. Yeah. Is that what you got? Yeah. Oh. Show. Okay. Uh, so, I, uh, so even though it's a Chinese company, well, at least we get some numbers, kind of. So we'll take a look at the NIO Incorporated, symbol is NIO, no PE ratio, price to sales, 21.7, about 10 times the industry at 2.6. Price to book value, nice that they have one, 13.1, double the industry at 6.7. Now, they have seen their sales grow by 107%. Uh, industry down 6.8. Earnings per share for NEO did climb by 55.8, but the industry grew by 2,189. Looking at the uh, balance sheet here, got a current ratio of 3.3 versus 1.3. Debt to equity, very good, 29 versus 157 so they got a nice balance sheet means they can stay in the game return on equity not very good a negative 53.7 industry a positive 12 net profit margin another negative here a negative 32 percent versus a positive 4.2 uh, receivable turnover looks good 13.1 versus 3.3 and inventory turnover 14.6 that is above the industry at 8.8 so not too bad there on that, but uh, what do you got for numbers going forward, Chase? Yeah, so current price here for NEO is $33.42, a 52-week high, wow, $66.99, and that low is $3.18. I mean, this stock has just been all over the place. But if I go out to 2022, unfortunately, there's no estimated earnings for this company, so I can't derive a target sell price. I mean, this business is a, it's quite a gamble here, Bob. I mean, it, it could go up. It could be like Tesla and just go to the moon and be way, way overvalued, or it could uh, go back down to $3 a share. And, and I guess, Bob, that, that's a main concern I have is that everybody's trying to find the next Tesla to make that 10,000% return. But the problem now, there's so much competition in electric vehicles. I mean, I, I, I drive down Miramar Road. I now see Porsche has their beautiful electric vehicles sitting out in front. General Motors is really into it. Uh, Audi, um, all these cars are doing it, and, and it's just going to be hard to be the breakout. Uh, and Tesla, you know, gosh, your stock's down, what, about a third from their peak. So I I would try to find how to play this market. And we're looking at ways, I won't, won't tell you what we're doing. We're, we're trying to look at how we can invest in the EV market over the next two, three, four years without buying an EV company. Like we always talk about on the gold miners who made the money, not the people find the gold, but the guys providing the picks and shovels. That's what we're looking mm -hmm. for. It's like what companies are going to benefit from all these people trying to do electric vehicles? That's what we're looking at. I don't think you'll find it in Neo Incorporated. I think it's just too speculative. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank bye. you very much. All right. Thanks for calling. You have a good one. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That opens up the phone line, 866-577-1000.
2473. That's 866 577 2473. I was going to say, too, there's, a, there's <clears> some <throat> other new entrants into the market which are interesting as well. I mean, we talk about Fisker. Uh, they're, oh, yeah. they're one that went away and came back. And then uh, we actually have a client that uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Lucid Motors. Uh, yes. That yeah, they're, they're another newer one. They look right. pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> I think they actually. Uh, ran a commercial. I saw a headline. Didn't read the article, but I think Lucid Motors ran a commercial during Elon Musk's Saturday Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a smart move. Yeah, so, uh, interesting. Yeah. But the uh, point is, there's lots of competition out there. Lots of competition, and, and again, you you see it out there, and it's going to be so hard to differentiate yourself from the other ones. And you are competing with the big guys, and they've got money. Uh, Tesla has money, and Tesla, and, and I want to. Uh, Point out, sorry, sorry, three times I've, I've said Tesla. Uh, I want to point out again, Tesla's made their money from the credits that they're getting from the government and selling those credits. A lot of these companies may not have that benefit because they're not as big. They won't get those big credits and they can't sell them. They need them on their cars. So uh, be aware of that. I mean, sometimes when you get to something and it's like, oh, this is hot, you've missed the boat. You want to find something that's not hot but will be hot down the road uh, or how to benefit, as I said, from how can what what companies are going to provide parts and via and, and and you know supplies for these electric vehicles? That's why I think you're going to do well. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. All right, hey, you know I thought we'd go to Facebook because uh, we haven't done Facebook yet. We did a you know the calls. We've done a, a message. Uh, I thought we'd go to uh, Jason uh, on Facebook. Wants somebody HIW. I think he had a question too though, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he just said he keeps looking at HIW, which is Highwood Properties, using the basic fundamentals that uh, he's learned from us. It doesn't seem favorable. However, if I remember correctly, you may have mentioned this is a good one to own. Uh, tell me why it may be a good buy. And this is a REIT, I believe. Is that yes. Correct? Yeah, okay. So, all right. So, so let's take a look at the Highwood Properties Incorporated, symbol is HIW. Now, the P.E. ratio, 21.6 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales are expensive, 6.2 versus 3.2. We do see price to book value, 1.9, about the same as the industry at 1.8. And price to cash flow for Highwood is uh, 9.8, uh, better than the industry at 23.9. Now, they only pay a 4.4% dividend uh, using 93% of their earnings to pay that out. I say only because I kind of see REITs are above five, but I guess now today 4.4 is not too bad. Uh, we do see sales are down 3.8%, industry down 19.5. Earnings per share over the last 12 months, year over year, were down 31% when the industry was down 221. Balance sheet looks pretty good. Uh, you, you've got a debt to equity here of 106 versus 277. And I like seeing that with a REIT that they don't have a lot of debt because they don't have to service that debt. Return on equity, 9.3 versus a negative 4.8. Net profit margin, 31 versus a negative 9.5. Receivable turnover, 2.6 versus 5.1. And inventory turnover, 165 versus 0.4. Chase, what about the fund flow from operations? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, going to say well, earnings, but I'd say, yeah. <laughs> well, current price here for Highwood Properties is $43.51. 52 week high, well, that's $45.89. And the 52 week low, $29.18. And again, this is an office REIT. So I, I think it's been doing quite well as a, a reopening play. But if I go out to December 2022, I see the estimated funds from operations is $3.82. It would give us a target sell price of $63.41. So that's where it looks good, Jason. It's not on the earnings, but again, office REITs, REITs in general, they have a lot of depreciation 
which isn't necessarily hurting their cash flow, but it's going to hurt their earnings. So that's why we look, like to look at FFO for REITs. And on that metric, they do appear to have good value left. And I, I, I'm still a fan of the office REITs. I, I'm not quite ready at this price, and we might miss the office REITs right. per se, but I, I think there could be a pullback that could be a good opportunity to get into these. And, and you want to be really careful with the office REITs to, to try to find what regions they're in. I, I, know, I know we found one that looked really good, but it was concentrated in New York City. Yeah. And that kind of worried us because who knows what's going to happen in New York City. You want to be diversified among different states. And I think that the states that are doing very well would be, what, Texas, Florida, Idaho. Um, I think South Carolina is doing Especially the states that said, okay, you know what, we're going to wipe out that extra uh, benefit. benefit for the, for the um, uh, unemployment. Those are states I want to look at. Because if they're in the wrong states, and I hate to say it, <clears throat> if they're in California, uh, maybe in New York, the state of New York, I'd be a little bit leery of, of getting that office read because I think they're going to be the last to turn around. I will say, though, New York City, <laughs> I, I bet you those reads have done well because even the mayor came out and said people are going back to work. Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. does not want people working from home any longer. He wants to get people back in, and, and they're quite prevalent in New York as well. So I I wouldn't like a reconcentrate in New York, but it doesn't worry me as much as it, it did a few months ago. Uh, the problem in New York City, though, is the crime has gone rampant. I guess yeah. there was somebody that was shot in broad daylight uh, I think it was just last week, and, and things are just going rampant there. And so people don't want to really go in the city. And, and I, I've heard that the shows are going to try to open, I think, in September. But are people going to go? Because if you're fearing of your life and uh, so forth, they, they've got to clean up the cl- crime. And, and that was like pre-Giuliani where, gosh, New York City was just terrible. He cleaned it up, and I think they need to bring back in, oh, maybe bring back in the police to kind of clean up the city. Well, I, I do think that, uh, you know, I, it does, I wouldn't want it concentrated in New York, but it wouldn't bother me if they had some presence in New York, as long as they were diversified. And because you don't want to miss New York, I do believe New York is going to come back in several years. I don't think New right. York is going to tank and never come back. I mean, New York oh, yeah. City is, is right. a phenomenal place that uh, I think will reopen at some point. It just might take a little bit longer. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And I think you, when you said you just several gotta years. You've got to be prepared for yourself. I, I think they need a different mayor, a different governor there to maybe turn that around. But I, I, you're right. New York will come back around. It was a great place. I love when I went to New York City, but I would not go there. A lot of people wouldn't go there now. So, therefore, it, it's going to be some time. So. Got a little bit off topic there, but uh, the point is we like the office reads. <laughs> um, Jason, I, I think Highwood is interesting, not at this price level, though. Uh, I would be patient for it on a on a correction because we know that's coming. It's something that we're watching if we do get a pullback to maybe add and you get a nice dividend. I think it'll help as things reopen, people go back to work. And as I said, Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan, he wants people to come back, and I think more CEOs yep. are going to start to have that as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, but uh, just be careful of New York City. <laughs> so, all righty. Well, that wraps up the uh, first hour of the show. Uh, I see Tim in San Diego. Uh, stay with us. We'll, we'll get to you first coming out. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You are listening to Smart Investing Show with Brent and Chase. Uh, stay with us. We'll be right back after this very, very quick break.
All righty, welcome back to the second half of Smart Investing Show. Gosh, that first hour went by quick, so don't miss out on the second hour. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And again, I want to bring up the workshop coming up this Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery, right off Miramar Road. We're going to show you how we invest using fundamental analysis, show you how we use and calculate target buy prices and sell prices, how to get hold of that in this crazy time, and how to get off that emotional investment roller coaster perhaps you've been on, and how to invest and say, gee, I'm not buying businesses. I don't worry about what the market's going to do day to day. Free workshop. we got about six or seven seats left. Don't delay. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858 546 4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. And we'll see you on Thursday. This Thursday. Coming up. Yeah. Uh, coming up quick. It comes up quick. They do come up quick. All righty. Phone numbers here. 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, guys. I was uh, wondering if you could take a look at a company. Uh, IEA is the ticker symbol. It had kind of the buzzwords of infrastructure and alternative energy. So I was just oh. wondering what the fundamentals behind it were. You know, when I saw that, I know I think there was a um, uh, like a, a, a RV park. I think it was that, that has those symbols. But I I thought, well, that's not that can't be the same thing. So. All right, so let's take a look at uh, Infrastructure and Energy Alternatives <laughs> Incorporated, symbol as IEA. Uh, and I'm having a little bit, gosh darn it, having a little bit of trouble here bringing this. There we go. You know, I do wonder when this company came out, are they trying to just ride the wave on this yeah. administration on Energy Alternatives? That's, that's an interesting name. That is an interesting <laughs> name, yeah. So. No, and I, ri I originally bought it when it was around like a dollar fifty, and it went through the roof. And, of course, I only bought it because of the name. So as soon as I made my money, I was out. But Good. now I'm like, well, are they legit? Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> legit. Let's see what we got here for Infrastructure and Energy Alternatives Incorporated. Symbol is IEA. Uh, no P.E. ratio versus 47 for the industry. Price of sales looks good, 0.16 versus 0.92. No price of change of book value versus 17 for the industry. And price of cash flow is 4.2 versus 11.8. So that's good, but I, I don't like the no price of tangible book value or no earnings at this point in time. We do see sales year over year. We're up 20.2%, industry down 1.3. Earnings per share climb by 85.6%. Sounds pretty good, but the industry is up 435%. Uh, we do see uh, on the balance sheet, current ratio 1.2 versus 1.5. No debt to equity versus 54 for the industry. So I'm, I'm going to check the balance sheet, but I don't think they have any equity is my guess. Uh, no return on equity. Net profit margin, not very good. 0 0.4 versus 1.9. And then receivable turnover is 5.1 versus 3.9. Jace, what do you got for earnings, if anything? So current price here for Infrastructure and Energy Alternatives Incorporated is $11.56. The 52-week high is $24.13, and the 52-week low about $1.65. So a lot of variability to that stock price. And not surprised, I mean, this is a very, very small company at just $287.2 million in terms of its market cap. So it's a small cap stock. Now, if I go out to December 2022, I'm shocked. There's four analysts that cover this company. I mean, that, that's a lot of analysts, in my opinion. Generally, we like to see around five, but yeah. most of the time, you don't get four for a company that's 
about 300 million in terms of its size. Probably because of the name infrastructure. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta follow it. But the, the current estimate for earnings per share in December 2022 is 90 cents. Wood gives the target sell price of $14.94. So there's some value left in it in terms of the earnings. I will say the range between those analysts, the highs of $1.22 and the lows $0.53. Cents. So there's a lot of variability there as well. Um, I, I'd say it's, it's interesting depending on what Brent's got to say here on the equity. Yeah, and I see uh, total assets are $729 million. Unfortunately, the total liabilities $801 million. And that would give you a negative equity of seventy-two million. So not very good on that side. Now it is better than one year ago's ninety-one million, um, but it's just, yeah. I, I mean, this is a speculative company. I mean, it could do well. Uh, we still don't really have anything out yet from the infrastructure uh, thing yet, which maybe gets held up and so forth, which could really hurt a lot of these companies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very speculative. But my thing is too, Tim. You made money with it. Should you go back in and back? Sometimes you do that. Perhaps what happens, you, you go back in, then you lose the gains you had before. So I, I, I just, it's too small. I, I yeah, I mean, because they, they've had negative earnings uh, the past two years. Um, and I think that's just riding this this wave of hope of, you know, this infrastructure deal. If the infrastructure deal kind of gets tripped up in, in Congress, which I, I think is looking more and more common as time passes, I, I think the stock's going to, you know, move lower. But, you know, if it, it does all of a sudden trigger and we get that you know big infrastructure play yeah, stock's probably going to go up tremendously so uh it's, it's a gamble yeah yeah so all right tim thanks guys enjoy your saturday have a good weekend you too thank you bye, bye. all right that opens the phone line 866-577-2473 that's 866-577-2473 let's go out to poway and speak with william William, you're on the Smart Vest over in Chase. How can we help you? Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, you were talking about EV sales earlier. I did just cut the end of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you're an auto manufacturer, your uh, your profits can be determined by the, the uh, sales of your cheapest car because you can sell a lot of those to the yeah. masses. So, and over in China, I was reading about some company called Wu Ling. And they're, they make a critter called a Hong Kong Mini, sells for $4,500, 5000 <laughs> if you want air conditioning. If and you want air supposedly, conditioning. <laughs> supposedly back in August, it, it was the best-selling electric vehicle in China. Mm. And it outsells the uh, Model 3 2 to 1. Of course, the Model 3 in dollars is uh 39 grand versus 4500 dollars for the hong Kong mini yeah so this uh yeah. company is a collaboration between saic now i'm reading off of microsoft news and uh supposedly this is a writer's report as well and i was searching on american car companies in concert with chinese companies making evs around the world and uh Pop quiz, what American company is in concert with uh, SAIC making this $4,500 EV? GM. Name that car company. GM. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Yeah. So um, I think that's um, key. You know, if, if you look on the blogs and see the YouTube videos, there's a few commentators and they say, you know, they make their, their gravy is with the little cars that they sell millions of. Mm -hmm. And a $5,000 uh, 
car with air conditioning that's electric, man, they're, they they got to be snapped up. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you bring up a good point, William, because again, that's where a lot of companies make their bread and butter is by sell, selling these lower price vehicles. So turnover is higher, their profit margin could be maybe lower. I, I know like on SUVs, uh, companies make good profits off of those, but it's still it's a, that turnover that kind of keeps you going, keeps keeps your, your, your lights on, on on the building. So it is a good point to bring up. Um, Especially yeah. in China. I mean, China, yeah. a lot of people still don't realize that there's a lot of poor people, poor areas yeah. in China that, that can't afford $39,000 for a Model 3, but can afford <laughs> a $5,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mini electric yeah, cars. Yeah, and, and I know that there are hundreds of uh, EV manufacturers out there, so obviously GM is going to be slow to adapt to localized, uh, you know, regional desires and wants and changes, but there's got to be niches for, you know, hundreds of other EV makers out there, especially with uh, newer battery technologies coming along. So I don't want to just plug GM. That's kind of an old hat probably to you guys. I mean. But it's a, it's a lot safer, and, and that's what we kind of look at is that we look at yeah. – we're not trying to find the, the next big you know Tesla and so forth. I would rather buy a company like GM that we can get at a good price, and if we were to grow it at 10%, 12% per year over the next five years, I'd be thrilled with that. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, I I'm more worried about losing people's money or my money uh, than I am about <laughs> making big returns because I've seen so many yeah. people in my 40-plus years of doing this of people that swung for the fences and they got to retirement and they had a terrible retirement because they lost money over the years of doing silly things, trying to make the big hit. So I, I'm, I've always been more of like, Hey, let's, let's buy a good business at a good reasonable price and be patient. So yeah, that could be like uh, chasing after rainbows. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, William, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care guys. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, I'm sitting here debating. We've got, you know, Facebook uh, messages. We've got one more caller. I have two emails. And you had the two emails. I'm debating. Uh, Because, again, I like to have, you know, I don't want to just go to people that agree with us all the time. There's a, a gentleman that, no surprise, and I know that people don't agree with us on cryptocurrency, uh, there's somebody that doesn't agree with us on cryptocurrency. So let's take the other side. Uh, I know it's a lot that he wrote. Maybe you can kind of summarize it a little bit. And um, your eyes like, oh, do we want to do this? Yeah, of course you want to do it. You know, So uh, can you just summarize it without going the whole I mean, we don't have time to read the whole thing, I don't think. I, I mean, just uh, basically thinks that, you know, cryptocurrency is the way of the future and that, uh, you know, he mentioned he enjoys the show and so forth, but just thinks we're, we're off base and out of touch with the, the current markets. Um, and just kind of brings up the idea that it's like saying that the internet would never replace the then current retail model, the email would never replace regular mail, and Amazon would never be the giant that it currently is. Um, he says you can actually track every single Bitcoin track transaction. That is incorrect when you say it can't be traced. Um, so... I mean, those are kind of some of the things I, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot to go into it, but I think right. the big thing that I want to bring up to this comment is um, he's right. I mean, cryptocurrency could be the way of the future, but he brings up Amazon. We've right. never liked Amazon. Right. And we were wrong on Amazon. Right. But for every Amazon, there's thousands of other companies that 
never made it. Right. And you lost everything. Or it's like the same thing as we talk about the internet. Right. It's like saying in 2000, oh, you guys don't get it because you're not buying the internet companies. Right. Now, I'm not buying the internet companies because they're so, so expensive. Right. Same thing as cryptocurrency. We think that there's some, and, and we both said when we had our TV segments that cryptocurrency will be around in some form or fashion. I just don't see Bitcoin going to $100,000. Yeah, and it could. I mean, and that's the thing we have said as well. It could happen, but it's because of people like this gentleman, and I have even a couple of friends of mine where we, we disagree on it. And I say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Based on my 40-plus years of, of understanding the economy, finance, and so forth, I do not believe that Bitcoin and some of the other ones are going to make it because it's just a, a, a small group of people that are actually – bidding this up. There's a lot of people that don't want to say, oh, it's going to be the wave of the future. We talked, I talked on KSI, you talked on Fox 5 about the global economy. I mean, governments cannot have a currency that they don't control because they would lose control of the economy. And we, we I think you talked on Fox 5 about how uh, if this happened last year with the economy, we'd be in a major depression now because what the government could do with their currency is flood the market so that business didn't do bad. Now, can you imagine, well, actually, no one controls Bitcoin, yeah. so it, it, nothing would happen. We would probably be in a major depression now. And this is the thing that people don't understand. And, and I will admit there's probably people that know more about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies than I do because I've read a lot on it. What they're missing is they don't know what they don't know. They don't understand how the global economy works, how finance works. And, and that's what I'm basing it on is that. And again, comparing cryptocurrencies to the internet is completely different. I love the internet when it came out. Like, wow, this is going to be the wave of the future because it was something new and unique. You could see it. Cryptocurrency is trying to replace the existing currency. And we already saw China. China already came out with their digital currency. So yes, cryptocurrency, I think we both said in our TV segments, it will be around. But I don't believe it's going to be Bitcoin or Dogecoin or uh, any of the other ones that are just hot because people are buying them. And and I, I saw one of my friends today said, yeah, but now the NFL is, is accepting it. No, the NFL it, has it, some players that are putting their money into Bitcoin. Into Bitcoin. They are not paying those players in Bitcoin. They're, they're paying the players. The pay, players are paying their tax with dollars, and then they're buying Bitcoin. So please understand the reality of the hype. And I think it, these crypto uh, magazines and stuff, I think they kind of sway people to, to, to do that. When it's not reality, if you really dig what's going on. And and I, I can't tell you when cryptocurrency is going to be, you know, uh, what it's going to happen in the future or, or Bitcoin or, or all these other ones, what's going to happen. But I would not put a, a dollar in my money into it because I've seen this happen so many times. Uh, but cryptocurrencies will be here in the future, but it won't be Bitcoin. And he also says something about it. It can be traced, but I thought that was the whole. And this, there's so much. There's so much differing opinion right. out there. And that if I don't understand something, I won't invest into it. I mean, right. some people say it can be traced. Other people say it can't be traced. I, I don't understand. Can it be traced or can it be traced? I, I don't know. And yeah. people, people say, well, you don't get it. You're right. I don't get it. And it <laughs> makes no sense to me. It doesn't solve any problems that are occurring, in my opinion. And it, it just, how do you assign a value to what it's trying to replicate? If, it, if it's trying to replicate currency... Well, you don't want a currency that goes from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand, then back down to maybe twenty-five thousand. I mean, that is ludicrous as a currency. You cannot yep. transact goods. It would be impossible to trade with other countries 
if you have this type of volatility, supposed to be this great global currency, that's a terrible global currency. How are you supposed to transact millions of dollars worth of goods, billions of dollars right. worth of goods, if the currency is going to fluctuate right. all over the place? Yeah, and it's just an asset now that that people are trading. It's a trading vehicle is what it actually is. It's not a, a, a currency. And yes, I suppose you can buy some things with it, but it, it's just... And again, we want to be clear. We know that digital currencies, cryptocurrencies will be here in the future. That is the way the future. But it is not going to be your Bitcoins of the world. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. All these people that are into it, uh, I think there's going to be a, 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 a day you're crying in the streets where well, what will happen. Same thing that happened with uh, the tech boom and bust. There were so many tech companies where, oh, you don't get it. You know, this is the way of the future, dot coms and so forth. Yes, some companies survived, but many, many did not. So. And, I, and I do want to say again, we were wrong on Amazon. We were wrong but, but, on but Tesla. Wait, but wait, we weren't wrong on Amazon. We didn't say the business was not going to be around. We said it's too pricey. Yeah. We wouldn't buy it because it didn't fit our strategy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm in terms of buying it and going and not and missing it. I mean, Amazon, Tesla, Netflix. I think all their businesses are great. It's just right. way overpriced. And <laughs> that's the difference where I think their businesses are great. Where Bitcoin, I, I can't say it's great. So. Yeah, because what is it? You know, yeah. it, it's, it, it's, it's air is the thing. So I hope that helps out. And again, uh, I would not recommend, I told my friends too, I said, well, if you're going to do it, be careful, be cautious, uh, and be, you know, be prepared. Yeah. So, but, all right. So I hope that answered the question. And, you know, I, I guess we covered everything because it's more of like a statement, I guess is what it means. Right. So, yeah. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Lake Forest and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart Vegetable Run Chase. How can we help you? Hello. Hi, guys. How you doing? Uh, I'd like for you to look at, oh, I'm doing very well. My group's doing fine. Good. But I'd like for you to look at Lumber Liquidators, LL. Okay, do you hold that or look at a buying it? We already hold it, and we're thinking about buying some more. All righty. Uh, we want you to take a look. Okay. Let's take a look at the Lumber Liquidators Holdings Incorporated, symbol is LL. Uh, a good start here, P.E. ratio 11.3 versus 55.5. Price of sales, 0.6. That is also better than the industry at 1.5. Price to book value, 3 versus 22.8. That's good. And price of cash flow, 8.6, about half the industry at 15.3. I do see sales year over year were up 1.8%. Industry was up 8.9%. Unfortunately, uh, earnings, no, I'm sorry, earnings uh, per share year over year for the last 12 months were up 125 versus the industry growth at 2,123. I said, unfortunately, because quarter over quarter, they're actually down 15.2. So you might want to check that quarter, uh, why they were down over, over the last year's quarter. Uh, we do see that uh, the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 1.8 versus 1.4. That's good. Debt to equity, 42.4 versus 67. Return to equity, very, very good, 29.9 versus 15.6. Net profit margin, 15.5 versus 2.7. And then receivable turnover is 73.8 versus 33.6. And inventory turnover, one of the few negatives I found here, was 2.7, not quite as good as the industry at 3.8. Chase, what are the earnings going forward? So current price here for lumber liquidators is twenty three dollars and fifty eight cents. 
52-week high, well, that's $35.10, and a 52-week low is $6.92. Now, if I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $1.47. Would give us a target sell price of $24.40. So, unfortunately, it's getting kind of close to that target sell price there. I don't know if I would buy more here. I don't think I would sell it, but right. uh, <laughs> if it pulls back, maybe you add to it. But right now, I, I, I'd say... It'd be in our hold categories, the classification we would use. Yeah, and Steve, we do expect to see a pullback here. It could be next week, could be three months from now. I mean, we don't know, but we know that the markets don't go straight up. That could be the time to buy this company. But with that said, I would check on lumber liquidators to see how much of the business comes from residential and how much comes from businesses. Because we do believe the residential market is going to slow down as people start traveling, but perhaps businesses, people come back in, Perhaps they'll start doing more. So that's one thing I would kind of look at is like how much of their business comes from selling to businesses. I and mean, it's not very much. I, I kind of question uh, the company going forward. All ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, Steve. Thanks for calling. You have a great weekend. You too, sir. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. I thought we'd go back to Facebook. I see Susan. I think she had two questions. Uh, is it S-Y-F-N-T? Yeah. I, I feel like we've talked about both of those recently. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's been longer since we just talked about AT&T. I, I think uh, Jason pointed out we talked about Synchrony last week. So yeah. um, I'm not sure. You choose. <laughs> well, let's do AT&T. Yeah. And, and one thing we do want people to do when you do call in, you do send a message on Facebook. I mean, kind of pick one because if you don't pick it, We'll pick it for you. You can always add, send in other ones or call in other ones, but it, it's just easier because we got we got to pick one. We can't do both. So let's take a look at uh, AT&T. Their symbol is T. Uh, let me pull this up here really quick. Um, all righty. AT&T Incorporated, symbol is T. Uh, unfortunately, no P.E. ratio versus 19.9 for the industry. Uh, price to sales, 1.3 versus 2. No price to book value, same as the industry. Price of cash flow, 8.8 versus 6.4. Now, we do see they pay a 6.5% dividend. Uh, with lack of earnings, there's, there's no dividend payout ratio. Sales are down 3.5% year-over-year. Industry up uh, 0.2. Earnings per share fell by 117. Industry is up 4.1. Uh, we do see on the balance sheet, current ratio, 0.82, same as the industry. Debt to equity, 108. That's about half the industry at 280. Return equity is a negative 1.4 versus a positive 20.8. Net profit margin, a negative 0.5 versus positive 10.3. And then receivable turnover, 8.9 versus 7.4. And no inventory turnover based on what they do. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Current price here for AT&T, $32.24. Near the 52-week high of $33.24 and 52-week low, well, that's $26.35. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.17. Would give us a target sell price of $52.62. So, I mean, that looks very strong on the valuation side. You get a nice dividend. There are some questionable numbers, though, that you talked about with the earnings that, that mm-hmm. you really got to dive down into. And, and we know they had that acquisition of Time Warner a few years ago. Uh, I'm going to say they had a poor acquisition of DirecTV several years ago. So they're kind of working through, I'm going to say, normalizing this company and getting it on the right track. But I, I think there's some potential here. Uh, maybe not at this price. I'd be 
price. I'd be a little patient if I was looking at buying, but I, I don't know if I'd sell it if you understood what's going on with this business. Yeah, and I was trying to look at uh, some expenses here that came up and I, on, on the income statement. It, and I do see here, not this past quarter, but the previous quarter, they, they did have uh, other non-operating expense of $3.2 billion. Uh, these are things where you want to kind of figure out what these are because that really put them behind. And that's why you got the negatives there. So that's why when, when we give you these numbers, we tell people we're trying to point you in the right direction. Sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper to find out why are those numbers there. And we know that they had some write-offs now last year, which hurts their numbers, which probably will not be reoccurring. So these are things you want to look at. Um, and then they also had something else. Uh, well, yeah, it's kind of, and, and, and actually, we spend time going over the, the financial statements. I turned it very quickly on the air here. Uh, can't find what I was looking for. Uh, oh, here it is. Impairment, that's what I was looking for. Impairment assets held for use was an expense of 16 point four billion dollars that's not going to be reoccurring yeah uh and that's what you want to understand what that was why it was there will it happen again and if not could be a buy yeah so, all righty all right susan i hope that helps out there <clears throat> uh let's talk about the workshop because it is coming up uh, this thursday It'll be the last time we're going to talk about it it's going to be thursday may 20th at six o'clock at ale smith brewery we're going to talk about all these things like we just went over like looking at the balance sheet we look at the balance sheet we look at the income statement we explain to you what we're looking for when we do that. And, and we do invest different than probably your current broker or many other people do here in, in San Diego or across the country for that matter, because we actually are buying businesses. We actually look at this as we want to buy a good business at a good price and sell it at a higher price. We don't care about buying mutual funds or ETFs or asset allocation. We care about how can we make money for our clients uh, on the long term. So that's what we talk about. We show you everything we do, why we do it, maybe what you shouldn't be doing. It's a free workshop, but you're going to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. That's for Brianna. We'll get you signed up. And I think we got about six or seven seats left, so don't delay. Uh, get signed up now. Already, phone number's here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to La Jolla and speak with Greg. Greg, you're in the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. So uh, I know you don't give stock advice. So last week on your air quotes, non-advice, I <laughs> And... Uh, my buddy, who's a lot smarter than me, in fact, he's a brain surgeon, uh, when I told him about Intel, he's interested in AMD. And I'm wondering if you can kind of do a comparison between uh, Intel and or just take a look at AMD, please. Yeah, well, we'll look at AMD. And now did he say, now he's a brain surgeon, so we can't argue that he's not a smart guy, obviously. <laughs> but did he say why he liked AMD? What was his reasoning? I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. He told me, but I don't know. But I know he was pretty excited about it. Yes, yeah, and, and that's one thing, too, I always tell people, because somebody gives you a recommendation, ask them why. Because many times they don't have a reason. They just think, uh, well, it's, it's been going up and so forth. And, and he might just be, you know, very smart at, at, at brain surgery. But maybe this is just like speculation for him. Like, oh, this is fun. We, we, you know, we, have some, we know some people that are, are very smart. They're rather wealthy they play and they speculate with some crazy things sometimes just because they're doing it. So it's okay for them well, because they got a lot of extra money, 
but it's not a good investment. So I do know he's done very, very well in the market the last 10 years. So um, he's kind of all around intelligent, not just uh, neurosurgeon intelligent, but nevertheless. Yeah. So we'll look at the numbers. And next time when you talk to him, say, okay, why? Because if he's that intelligent, you want to learn from him. What is he doing? So uh, you know, pick his brain a little bit more. So we'll, we'll take a look at the advanced micro devices incorporated symbols, AMD. We do see a PE ratio of 31.7 versus 33 price to sales, 7.9 versus 5.8 price to book value 15.1. That is good. It is below the industry at 20.9. And then we see price of cash flow is 28.2. That is above the industry at 18. So we like to see those valuation ratios lower. Now, they've done very good on their, their sales year over year, up 57.7%. Uh, the industry is only up 12.5%. Earnings per share climbed by 474% when the industry is up only one6 The balance sheet, got a good balance sheet here. Current ratio 2.5 versus 2.3. Debt equity, very good, 4.8 versus 63. Net, I'm sorry, return equity is 60.6 versus 18. That's phenomenal. I think they probably have low equities, my guess. Net profit margin checks in at 25.2 versus 16.7. Receivable turnover is 5.9 versus 8.3. And inventory turnover, 4.7. That's about the same as the industry at 4.8. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? So current price here for AMD, $74.59. I'm surprised here. I, I didn't know it's pulled back so so much from the 52-week high of $99.23. Uh, still done well off the 52-week low, though, of $48.42. Problem I have with AMD, I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.71. We'll give us a target sell price of $44.99. So it's it's well below the current price. I mean, AMD is a, a true growth company. And, and I know you mentioned uh, your friend there has done very well over the last 10 years. I, I will caution and just say stocks go in cycles. And we've been in a huge cycle of growth outperforming value. Like we saw during the 90s. I mean, people right. did phenomenal from 1990 to 1999 until they didn't do so great anymore when the tech bus collapsed. So be cautious. I, I think we are going to see some of that occur because AMD is your growth tech where Intel is going to be your value tech. That's going to be the, the competing philosophy between those two semiconductor companies. Yeah, and with, with AMD, it's, again, it's a great company, but it's very pricey. I uh, just don't see how it's going to have much growth going forward where we know AT and, uh, AT&T, uh, Intel actually is going to spend $20 billion uh, on a new plant in Arizona. Uh, they got a new CEO coming in, so there's a lot of good things there. Where AMD, it's just like it's almost like yesterday's oh. news. I want to say. I'm, I'm going to disagree, and I, I think AMD is going to continue to take some market share in, in a, a growing semiconductor world. Where I think they're mm-hmm. still going to have really good growth in the next few years. But again, it comes back down to the question of how much are you willing to pay for that growth? And also, as we talked about earlier, with interest rates rising. These are the type of stocks that get hurt with rising interest rates. So. Yeah. That, that's where uh, my caution would ensue with uh, AMD, and, and that's one reason why we like Intel more than AMD is it's a, it's a value investment where AMD is actually a growth stock. Yep, yep, and if those growth investors leave, it's not going to do very well. So, But, but Greg, I, I really, it sounds like you know the, the gentleman pretty well. Uh, really have a good conversation with him and, and, and kind of find out why, but Chase is right too because I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, he's done well over the last 10 years. The market's done well over the last 10 years. How did he do... Uh, in the tech boom and bust, uh, how, how did he do during you know 2007, eight and nine? How did he do during that time frame? So those are times that it really takes somebody to know what they're doing uh, versus 
you know, we've been in a growth market for about 10 years. So, but and, and not attacking a gentleman, but just asking him so that you can learn from him because maybe he, he knows a thing or two that could really help you out. Already? Well, I'm go- I'm going to try to drag him to the uh, seminar next week, and I look forward to seeing you guys. Oh, that'd be great. We'd, lo- we'd love to meet him. <laughs> Super. And maybe we can ask him a question or two about brain surgery. Not that I need it yet. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg, thanks for calling. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. So you think AMD will still... Grow, you think, huh? I think so. Uh, I mean, we know about the semiconductor shortage. Uh, we know that semiconductors are going to be, and, and chips are going to be in more and more of our, our everyday lives with, you know, refrigerators, with, I, mean, I was reading this article about toasters, about, you know, just basic <laughs> what, what things, crock pots. What, what do you, you need know? a chip and a toaster for, I, I, you know? <laughs> but it, technology is going to continue to expand, and I, I do think that semiconductors, and I think it, it's going to essentially be, a you know, the saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. I think yeah. that all semiconductor companies will continue to see growth, but it comes back to, well, how much are you paying for that growth? Yeah. Well, did, did you get the, what the Ford PE was on AMD? I, I, I don't remember. Uh, no, I just used the target sell price there, $44, compared to the current price of $74.59. Probably puts it around, I'm going to guess, but, 25 26 maybe. Yeah, I was going to say probably around yeah, around that yeah. level. But, I, I mean, they are. I mean, their earnings in 2020 were $1.29. This year estimated to be 217 Next year, 271 So, as I said, I'm not surprised to see AMD growing. Right. And, and they have taken share from Intel. Right. And, and they, they've done a great job improving that business. But it's like AMD and Intel always go back and forth mm-hmm. in terms of that market share and improving their technologies. And I think there's there's something you know, a few years down the road, all of a sudden Intel comes out with something that, oh, my gosh, they're, they're going to steal all the market share back from AMD, <laughs> and then AMD is going to have problems. <laughs> and, and, and you're right. That's gone story. on not just for a couple of years. I'm, I'm going to say probably about 20, 25 years that's gone on to where like it goes back and forth, where AMD is the winner, then it's Intel, then AMD. And right now AMD is the winner. Um, but it's not like Intel sitting on, on the sidelines saying, oh, we're not going to do anything. There's, they're inve- investing billions of dollars in R&D, uh, and things change because yep. you will find something, and perhaps they'll, they'll shoot ahead, and again, maybe two, three years down the road, uh, and AMD will not do quite as well. So, but uh, AMD has, over the years, they've really done very, very well. Yeah. The time to buy AMD was several years ago, and, yeah. and, and that's again too. We we didn't like AMD even a couple of years ago. We thought it was too expensive, but that's the thing. In a growth market, right? Growth companies can grow very quickly, but they can also dissipate very quickly as well. And also too, it could be one of these stocks that we talk about to where it stays around this current level of we'll call it seventy eighty dollars a share for the next four or five six years. Yeah. So that's a problem too. Dead dead money. Alrighty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to or up to San Marcos and speak with Phil. Phil, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Hey, um, I was looking at this I, uh, ticker called QYLD. I know it's uh, covered calls for many of the big techs. Um, and I was hoping to um, kind of understand from you guys the functionality of that as I'm looking more for like an income stock. And mm-hmm. my situation is this. Um, I am buying and selling a house right now. Both houses are in escrow. And I'm taking a lot of the equity out of my current place and only putting the minimum 20% down for the new. 
okay. which means I'm going to have a lot of money to invest, and my loan is really cheap at under 3%, and I'm looking to make just 4 to 5% in the market. Mm-hmm. I was looking at QILD because I know that they have that monthly dividend that ranges around 9 to 10%. Just not sure how it functions as far as the – the valuation itself, as far as the stock price going up and down. I mean, the the ultimate scenario would be it holds at that same price forever and you get that 10% dividend each month. Um, are you guys familiar with that or can you I'm not explain familiar in a little bit more detail? Yeah, because I, I can talk about concept. Because I say it says Global X NASDAQ 100 covered call ETF. So I know what the concept is that they do. And, and doing this for 40 years, I remember kind of what you were looking at back in the 80s when they had, oh, this was great because you can do these covered calls on these bond funds and make this income and the risk is low. Well, when things moved in the opposite direction on them, they lost more than they would have had they not done those. So we, we understand the covered calls and uh, what it means that they, they might have uh, XYZ company. Chase, are you finding anything on the company at all? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying yeah. to read a little bit more on the- Okay, I'll, I'll let you read and I'll kind of talk more about conceptually. Because what they do is they get companies uh, they'll sell a covered call on it. They'll make a premium off of that. They're paying that to you. But what happens is that they can move in the wrong direction on them and you'll get the premium, but the stock goes down. You're still there. And I've seen this on Wall Street. It's another thing on Wall Street that they make it sound pretty good. Like, oh, you know, you're safe because it's covered and so forth. Now, we don't know if it's what we call a collar, which they're putting the put on it. And I don't see that. You got to really look on that because that can protect on the downside. But most of the time, they don't. Most of the time, in these covered calls, they just have the, the – the, and where they're saying the safety comes in is that it's not a naked call. Because with a naked call, you can lose a lot of money on it. But with a covered call, you own the security. You, you make a premium off that security. You will say that the security is at $10. You might make $0.50 cents off of that. Boom, there's your 5% return. But if that goes down, the security goes from 10 to 8 well, you lost 20%. So now you lost 15 are you finding anything on Jason? Yeah, no, you, you explained it uh, exactly right there where they invest about uh, 80% of its assets actually in the underlying securities, which is the NASDAQ. So Apple makes up 11%, it looks like, of this fund, I'll call it, and then they'll, they'll write call options. It doesn't say right. anything about buying puts, so they'll write the call options. Uh, it says at the money, uh, one-month call options to generate the income. So I'm guessing that's where the yield comes from, not to mention maybe some dividends from the businesses that it holds. But it doesn't look like there's much downside protection to it. It's it's a compli- complicated product here, and and you mentioned trying to do four to five percent in the market. I think a, a product like this would be something that is quite speculative and yeah. and, and I'd say risky. If you're trying to do four to five percent, I, I don't know if I would utilize a product like this. And, and Phil, I'd, I'd recommend for you. I mean, you made this money off of an asset in real estate. I would recommend you do the same thing where you make the money off of assets such as good quality businesses. Now, as long as you're not going to try to get the money back in 12 or 24 months and you're looking longer term, I mean, this money that you have, if you're patient, if you buy, and again, I'm kind of talking about how we manage money, you will do very well over the next five, seven, 10 years. Uh, but if you try doing these, these things where, oh, you're safe and so forth, um, you probably won't do well. You're going to get surprised and, and lose money on it. And we tell people when you come to us, you're going to have losing quarters. You're going to have losing years. I mean, we were down quite a bit in March, and I can't tell you how much we were down or how much we gained last year, but there's a difference between risk of losing the money 
And then volatility, which is just the up and down movement. You have to make sure that you're investing in businesses that you have the up and down movements is short term. And short term could be, again, 6, 12, 18 months, but it was such a good business that rebounded. So look at the quality of the assets. Don't kind of mess around with these Wall Street packaged products because they sound good, but they never, never work out for people long term. Does that help? It does. And it's interesting because I know I've been listening to you guys. And um, when I'm looking at the market, a lot of things right now are at their 52-week high. And I'm very uh, selective on what I'm doing. And again, I'm looking more for that 4 to 5%. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from, Mar from the pandemic of last year to the uh, early part of this year, I, I did great. And so did everyone else. I don't, I think that runs over mm -hmm. this, my own personal opinion. And so now I'm looking more for that safer. Uh, and I know I didn't bring this up to the screen ever. What do you guys think about Verizon VZ as that safe income type of stock? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, we can look at that because, because that is something that we've not looked at Verizon quite a while. We just went over at Yeah, we looked at at and so. Um, so I lost my cursor. Where did my cursor go? Gosh, I Sometimes I hate this this laptop because also my cursor just disappears. And I mean, I mean, the interesting thing too, Phil, is that, I mean, you've heard us talk about what's going on. Is it's hard to find things to buy right now, and and you know, exactly, we, we don't like to buy the high flyers of you know these expensive companies, but uh, doesn't mean you can't do well in you know, say a food company or or a company like Verizon that I. I don't think Verizon could be cut in half or anything. I mean, I don't want to say. It, it very well could, but I yeah. think the likelihood it gets cut in half. It's not going to be as volatile, most likely, as, let's say, a Tesla. And, and, Phil, it's also important, too, not just one company, but we talk about in the presentation, in the workshop as well, about building a portfolio because not everything you buy goes up. And we tell people, we want to buy something in a portfolio, and, it, and it's down for 6, 12, 18 months. We don't worry about that. It's the portfolio that should do well. And we had every once in a while somebody goes, oh, yeah, but, but I've lost money on this company. Don't worry about that. That's part of the whole portfolio. That one that you lost money on over the last year could be your winner next year. You've got to be patient. And right now you come to us. I mean, uh, we do have people calling like, gosh, I've been with you for three months. You haven't bought very much. That's okay. We're being patient. And that's what you have to be as well to have that safety. So uh, let's look at Verizon Communications because I'm kind of curious myself. I've not looked at it in a while. Symbol is VZ. Now, there is a good start here. I mean, PE ratio is 12.9 versus 19.9. Price of sales is good, 1.9 versus 2. Price of tangible book value, not material, same as the industry. And price of cash flow is 6.7 versus 6.4. Now, you do get a good dividend here of 4.3%. They use 55% they're to pay that out. Unfortunately, year over year, their earnings are down. I'm mean, sorry, their sales are down 1.4%, industry up 0.2%. Uh, their earnings per share over the last 12 months, year over year, are actually up. 2.7, but not as good as the industry growth of 4.3. Now, one thing that I've never liked about Verizon is the debt that they have. They have a lot of a lot of debt in the balance sheet. They have a current ratio of 1 versus 0.8 for the industry. But debt to equity is 222 versus 280. I know they did a lot of build-out on towers and stuff, I think. I think they bought a lot of money for that. We don't like high-debt companies because that's where your risking comes in. Things slow down. They can't pay that debt. It really hurts uh, the, their stock price. Return on equity is very good, 28.7 versus 20.8. Net profit margin for Verizon is 15 versus 10. That's a positive. 
Uh, receivable turnover is 5.4, not as good as the industry is 7.4, and then inventory turnover 35 versus 34. And Chase, I'm very curious on their earnings. I think their earnings going forward are good if I remember correctly. Yeah, so uh, current price here for Verizon, $58.69. 52-week high is $61.95, and 52-week low, that's $52.85. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.17. Would give us a target sell price. It looks very nice at $85.82. So conceptually, I, I like the idea of Verizon. It's not anything that's super sexy that's going to, again, double or triple and, and be extremely volatile. You get a nice dividend. The big hurdle that we continue to have with Verizon is that debt level. Yeah, yep. and, and I hope that kind of helps looking at that. And that that's what you want to do in, in our portfolio. We generally put 15 to 18 companies in the portfolio, which we also explain at the workshop why we do that. Um, but that's what you want to build, uh, Phil, is a good solid portfolio of good businesses that are diversified businesses. Um, and that, that's how you do well investing. And, and don't try to focus on the 4% or the, the safety of it as far as volatility goes. And in investing. No, in, it's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting, Chase, as you were reading the 52-week low and high between 52 and 61. Mm-hmm. I actually think if you looked five years, it's going to be in that same range as well. And again, I'm not going to put 100% of my money into Verizon. I'm looking for those 10 stocks, and Verizon was one of them because they offer some stability against the other type of growth or income stocks that can have higher volatility. Yeah, and I don't think you make it to the. Yeah, and then Phil, I don't, I don't know if you can make it to the workshop on Thursday, but we'll, we'll go over a lot of this uh, as well on how to do different things like that. Because again, you've got this this sum of money. money that you got from one asset to, to build your wealth. You want to take that asset and you want to reinvest it into another good quality asset for the longer term. That's how you build good, solid, long-term wealth by investing of, of buying low and selling high. So if you make the workshop on Thursday, I think we got some seats left. Uh, I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Where is that? I'm in San Marcos. Uh, it's in uh, Alesmith brewery. It's right off of Miramar road. So it's probably about a, I don't know, 15, 20 minute drive for you. All right, great. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Thank go, you, guys. Yeah, go to the website, sign up, and hope to see you there. All right. All right, Phil. Have a good one. Bye. All right, you too. You know, I I think um, you know, as Phil was talking about, yeah, the last five years. I mean, the stock hasn't really traded outside of a particular like huge range. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. about it looks like about fifty to about sixty dollars a share, and it's almost like AT and T and Verizon are almost. I'm going to say like a fixed income type proxy right now because yep. you get a nice dividend. But the likelihood of stock appreciation is not high. But if you look up the longer term chart of like Verizon and AT&T, you can still get price appreciation on it. I think it's very interesting. I, I wish Verizon had a cleaner balance sheet because I, I like I like the business. I, I think it, it, it could do well in a period like we're seeing now that could have more volatility because I don't think it's going to have the same pullbacks as other companies. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, the Verizons, the AT&Ts of the world, so they're generally your safe investments. They'll do other investments. That's the thing, too, is that sometimes a Verizon will go out and make a silly investment. Yeah. Uh, and I, by the way, uh, I've had Verizon as my provider for, gosh, since I think 1995 when I got my first cell phone. They, they, they've been very good on that. But again, when you're looking at it as a business uh, and investing into it, I just don't like all that debt they have because yeah. it, it just worries me that things do slow down, which they could. I mean, I, I do worry about 2023, what could happen then. Uh, I think we're fine this year, maybe next year. But this is when you want to make sure you buy businesses. And this is when the balance sheet comes into play. Not now when things are great. 
it comes into play when you don't realize it. You won't know we're in a, in a recession or I don't think we're in a depression, hopefully not, but a recession until you're in the midst of it. And it's many times when it's passed and it's too late then to, to make your investment decision. So that's why you always want a company with a strong balance sheet so you're not risking uh, your, your investments there. Alrighty, uh, let's see. And again, I kind of promoted the workshop a little bit there, but again, we, we spent a little more time uh, on the last caller there because these are how we do the workshop. We, we promoted to, to fill the, the workshop as well because we explain things to you. We talk about why not to, why to do things. So you really understand more about investing. And, and, and that's why a lot, we have a lot of clients and manage what, $450 million because of the fact that people like how we do it. They understand it's conceptually what we're doing. And uh, we have a plan, not just, oh, let's buy a couple of mutual funds or ETFs and, and do that. We, we actually do what we say we're going to do and do the way investing's worked for many, many years. So that, that is going to be, again, this Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at uh, Alesmith Brewery. Uh, uh, seating is limited. I think we got about six or seven seats left. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com or call the office 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. That's for Brianna. Just signed up. Looking forward to seeing you Thursday at uh, Ale Smith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go uh, up to, let's go up to Oceanside and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vessel Rent Chase. How can we help you? Yes, hi. Good morning. Uh, Iron Mountain Incorporated, IRM. You hold that or looking at buying it? Um, I held it and then I sold it and thinking about maybe buying it again. All righty. Well, let's see what it looks like here. We're going to look at the Iron Mountain Incorporated, symbol is IRM. Uh, P.E. ratio 37.9 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales are expensive, point, or, or 3.0 versus 0.82. Price attainable book value, not material, same as the industry. Price of cash flow is very good, though, 12.5. About half the industry at 24.5. We do say they pay a nice dividend of 5.8%, using 221% of their earnings to pay that out. Don't like seeing that. I would like the payout ratio to be more like 70 or 80. We do see sales are down 2.7% year over year, but the industry is down 44.5. Earnings per share did climb by 7%, with the industry experienced a decline of 1,000. 529%. Look at the balance sheet, current ratio of 0.6 versus 0.5. That's a little bit risky for me, but also what's more concerning is debt to equity is 935% versus 184% for the industry. We do see return on equity is 31 versus a negative 60. That's a positive. Net profit margin 7.8 versus a negative 13.5. Receivable turnover, not very good either, 5.1. Uh, not as good as the industry, 8.3. Chase, what do you got for the earnings for Iron Mountain going forward? Yeah, well, so to begin, this company is a, actually a REIT, and it, it's a, a global yeah. leader, leader for storage and information management. So, you know, it includes uh, secure storage, secure destruction, which is a fancy word, I think, for shredding documents. <laughs> oh, I like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also cloud services, data centers, uh, and logistics and so forth. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting business, and I thought I recognized the name because uh, I see a truck that's parked outside our, our building all the time. It says Iron Mountain on it. So is that well? That's not who we use this past week. No, that's not who yeah. we use. But I, I've seen it out there quite frequently. So, anyways, let's talk about the numbers here for Iron Mountain. Current price forty two dollars and fifty cents. Fifty two week high is forty two dollars and eighty seven cents, and fifty two week low. Well, that's twenty two dollars and nineteen cents. I go out to December two thousand twenty two. 
I see the fund from operations or the FFO is $3.12. Would give us a target sell price of $51.79. And uh, I, I like this. The debt concerns me a little bit. I think it's an interesting arena. I mean, especially after uh, the kind of hack that we saw this last week on the Colonial Pipeline. I think this is going to be something that needs to be very well watched for businesses right. is making sure they're really securing as much as they can. So I, I think it, it could benefit from... Uh, unfortunately, the attack that we saw, but uh, I, it does concern me on the debt side. Yeah, and I'm just going to look at the debt. I mean, the debt is uh, about nine billion dollars. The equity is only nine hundred fifty-nine million. The, the equity was one point one billion a year ago. So the equity seems to be declining. The debt seems to be holding the same, but that's still quite a bit of debt. Uh, and it depends and I, what the. I'm not. I'm not going to make an excuse for you to buy it here, but uh, the thing is, on that equity, is I do wonder on the assets is how much of their properties have actually been depreciated mm -hmm. beyond really what a, a fair market value for a, a property might be. Where it could say, yeah, you have a just make it easy, a million dollar mortgage on on this home that that's worth two million, but you actually have depreciated that down to a million dollar asset from the depreciation expense, where it's not really worth that. So. I think there's some interest there. I, yeah. I, I would just be cautious. And, and you took the words out of my mouth because I was saying the same thing. Like, because this is real estate, you don't know what that real estate is worth. And it could be, again, against depreciated uh, real estate. And therefore, the debt is, is just there. So, And this is why it's so important, John, to really dig deeper into the companies to understand. When we, we talk about the debt here and so forth, to dig into the business to find out more about it. Because you might find it. This is where you might find a gem and surprise because, yeah, it looks terrible on return, the, the debt to equity. But it could be, oh, well, here's a reason for it. That's fine. Let's go ahead and buy it. So a little more research to do there for you, John. Already? Thank you. Thank right. you very much. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. Yeah, okay. Let, let's go up to or out to Terrasana and speak with Linda. Linda, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I'm interested in what you think of Pinterest. Ah, Pinterest. Uh, do you hold? P-I-N-S. Do you hold that or looking to buy it there? Uh, well, I got talked into holding it, and I should have asked that question why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's so important. Like same thing with the other gentleman about the the brain surgeon and so <laughs> forth. When somebody tells you something, uh, ask why. You don't have the conversation because they may say, "Oh, well, I didn't think about that." Because you might have something to contribute that they didn't think about. Maybe mm -hmm. save both of your money. So. But let's say it's a Pinterest for you. Symbol is P-I-N-S. Unfortunately, no P-E ratio versus 65 for the industry. Price of sales, very expensive, 19.4 versus 3.7. Price to book value, 16 versus not material. And price of cash flow for Pinterest, 1,591 versus 19.9. Now, we do see their sales are up 57.2% year over year, well above the industry at 4.4. Uh, earnings per share climbed by 99%. Uh, industry was down 23.5. Uh, they've got a great balance sheet, current ratio 11.7 versus 1.2, and no debt on their balance sheet. The debt does have a debt to equity of 72%. We do see return on equity is a negative 0.4 versus a positive 11.5 for the industry. Net profit margin, not losing too much money. It's 0.46. The industry is a positive 5.5, so perhaps they could turn a profit position going forward. And then receivable turnover is 6.3 versus 4.8. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? 
Yeah, so uh, current price here for Pinterest is $58.05. 52-week high is $89.90. And that 52-week low, well, that's $16.58. I was going to ask you here, Linda, do you use Pinterest or you just bought the stock? Well, I use it occasionally, but uh, I bought it mainly because my brother told me it was going to be a good deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, it's, a, it's an interesting service there, but uh, if I if I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $1.33. It would give us a target sell price of $22.08. So it's, it's again, not a value company, which is what we like. It, it is a growth company and hoping that their, their sales will continue to grow to a very, very nice level. But um, it, it doesn't fit into what we do here. It's, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, and, and this reminds me a lot of the tech boom and bust back 20 years ago because, again, it's a great business. It's got things going. Uh, but I just don't think that the, the valuations are there to justify a, a stock price of $58 a share with those type of earnings. Uh, one or two things are going to happen. Uh, either the stock is going to drop down to a more reasonable level, or what's going to happen is that you're going to be holding the stock around the same price, we'll say between 40 to 60 uh, for the next four or five, six years, and no movement on the stock. We'll just have this up and down range uh, for a long mm-hmm. time. So it's, it's just that that's why we look at the value of something. And uh, are you down very much in it now, Linda, or, or what do you stand? No. Uh, actually, it's up from what we bought it at, I think it was about 44 Oh, that's good. Yeah. But uh, I was leery about holding on. I'm just glad I didn't buy as much as I thought I was going to in the, when he first talked to me. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and the, the thing, the thing I'd ask, too, is that you, you, you're up on it now. What's yeah. going to happen over the next 12, 24 months? Will it continue to yeah. rise? If you can't come up with the reasons why it continues to rise, you may want to sell it, take your profits, and try to find something yeah, else. Yeah, I'm thinking of seriously doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will tell you, too, don't be upset if you, you do that. And then, uh, you know, two months from now, it's like, oh, shoot, now it's at 62. I should have held on to it. Don't worry yeah. about that. Sell and don't look back. You made a profit. Though. Yeah. Already? Okay. Are you going to give another class? Uh, you know, I know... You're having one this coming week, but I'm going to be out of town. Are you going to have one, another one in the future? We do have one, I think, scheduled for June. I don't know the date off the top of my head. Do you know, Chase? I don't know the date off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. stay tuned. Well, I, I know we have one set up for June. I just don't know the date. Probably be the third or fourth week in June. Already? Okay. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome, Linda. Thanks for calling. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. Well, Chase, I got to say this was a great show, especially preceding our workshop because we had a lot of good explanations on things today. We talked about a lot of different things to try to help educate people. Uh, great show today. I re- really enjoyed it. No, it was, it was definitely a good one. Got to cover a, a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of economic news this past week and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to get interesting data as, as we continue to progress and you know, I, I think as more news comes out about this whole mask mandate and things like that it's going to have an impact on on the economy it is well there's a closing bell so thank you for listening to the smart investing show it is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice if you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions feel free to call myself brent wilsey or chase wilsey at 858-546-4306 that's 858-546-4306 or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investing tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitive. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. And may I say, 
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.